Welcome to the First Century Youth Ministry Podcast. My name is Heather. And I'm Mark, and we are your co-hosts. And we're here to take a look back into the Jewish roots of our faith. For the way forward in youth ministry discipleship. This podcast is a part of the Youth Cartels Podcast Network. Hey friends, it's Heather here. Before we start this week's episode, Mark and I decided that to keep with our normal rhythm, we wanted to keep this episode under 20 minutes for y'all. And our conversation with Dr. Olshine was so great that it went over our traditional under 20 minutes. And so what we decided to do was split this week into two sections. So we're releasing both sections today, so you can listen to both today. Listen to part of it this morning, and maybe on your commute home, listen to the second half. And so, again, thanks for joining us for this week, and enjoy this first half of the episode. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the show. This is Mark, and Heather's feeling brave today. She brought back one of her teachers from when she was a student to talk to us today. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Are you ready? Yeah. So I have with me Dr. David Olshine. I uh, had Dr. Olshine, or we called him Doc, uh, back at Huntington University, where I got my master's in youth ministry leadership. And um, quite frankly, the thing I remember and I loved the most about Dr. Olshine was that he had snacks in class and none of the other teachers did. (laughs) Wait, they were allowed or he brought you snacks? There was a mat. I don't know who brought them. I don't know who provided them, but his class had snacks and nobody else's did. So nice. It was a great thing. In fact, in fact, our first class, Mark, mm-hmm. was right across the street from the Denver Broncos playing facility. Yeah. And really? I didn't even I didn't I didn't even know the class. And I just said, hey, before we get to know each other, let's walk over there because I'm a big football fan. That's right. And let's just Let's just tour tour the facility. And we walked around and got to know each other and, and that was kind of fun. It was really that neat. is a that's a great way to meet people too. You have something to look at while you're hanging out. Yeah. Well, hey, but we have a great conversation <laughs> with yeah, Dr. For sure. Olshine here. Um and uh so Dr. Olshine, you grew up you were Jewish yeah. and you grew up in a Jewish household, right. uh became a Christian. So first, uh, you're our first guest on the show who ha- actually has that uh, background. And so we want to hear your story as we kind of dive in uh, to the conversation today. We're going to be talking about living in the dust of the rabbi. But before we dive into that, right. tell us your story. Sure. Well, raised in Nashville, Tennessee, my mom and my dad were both Reformed Jews with a touch of conservative in them. Uh, my dad was uh, his dad was a Russian Jew and his um, uh, Russian and Polish moved to the United States, ended up in a small town, Decatur, Alabama, a small little Jewish community there. Eventually, my grandpa moved to Nashville, Tennessee, and they started what's called the Olshine Company, which was a a clothing store. Huh. And my grandpa, and my dad ran it. And my dad was kind of nominally Jewish. Mm-hmm. Um, he tended a little bit. My mom insisted that my sister and I go to Hebrew school. And so we did. We learned Hebrew. And I went through that. I did not get bar mitzvah only because um, I was told that um, that was the best thing to do 
if you are going to kind of stay in, in the adult synagogue world. And I kind of knew I wasn't because I remember having a meeting with the rabbi and I said, do you believe in eternal life? Like life after death? He said, no, I believe dust to dust. Wow. When you die, you die. Hmm. And I had trouble believing that. I kept thinking if God's eternal, there has to be eternal life. Hmm. So I began to check out when I was 10, 11, 12, although I kept going to Hebrew school. And finally, one day I said to the, the associate rabbi, uh, Hebrew doesn't mean anything to me right now. And I don't think it means anything to, to about 15 of us young Jewish guys and girls. Could we have a class that dealt with like contemporary issues? He's like, yeah, if you can, if you can gather up 15 people, we'll scratch the Hebrew and you can work on that. So we did. Wow. And uh, we talked about sex and we talked about drugs and we talked about the Bible. And um, so raised in a Jewish family, uh, uh, I was, uh, we did, we did pray the Shema a lot mm -hmm. in the house. Um, but you don't really hear many reformed Jews talking about a personal relationship with God. Right. And my parents, my parents divorced when I was 12 mm -hmm. and my mom and I moved to Cincinnati, Ohio. Okay, and I began to get into to get into the par the party scene. Mm -hmm. uh, my hair was as long as yours, Heather. <laughs> in high school, nice. it was. I became a party head, a druggie. I became a drug pusher. Mm -hmm. I'm not proud of it. Yeah, but eventually, uh, after four years of doing that, um, I got in two car wrecks, and in the second car wreck, the policeman said to me, "Son, God saved you." Mm. And I said, no, it was just luck. And he said, son, there's no such thing as luck. God saved you. So that that stayed with wow. me for a year. My senior year of high school, I got busted for the possession of marijuana. Mm -hmm. But I was still an adolescent, so nothing happened other than I had to go to court. I had to pay 600 bucks or something like that. But they said to me, if you do anything wrong in the next six months, you could go to jail. So I became very nervous and paranoid. And so I, I, I made a decision one weekend to not party. And Friday I did fine, but Saturday I couldn't do it. My buddy named Mark and I, who eventually would two years later commit suicide, just to kind of a depressed guy, he and I went to visit a, an African-American friend of mine named Dwayne. And Dwayne um, was going to a church that I didn't know about. He had just become a Christian. And so when we went to see him that Saturday night, he we said, hey, you want to party? And he said, I don't do that anymore. And I said, why not? He said, well, I met someone who's changed my life. I was like, cool, what's her name? He said, no, no, it's not a girl. It's That's not a awesome. girl. I, he says, God. I said, oh, man, you're not one of those Jesus freaks. Now, I knew nothing, nothing about Jesus or Jesus freaks. I just seen it on the front of a Time magazine. Wow. Like, you know, Southern right. California, guys and girls bat getting baptized. He said, no, Jesus doesn't take uh, freaks. Uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't take people and make them into freaks. <laughs> he takes freaks and makes them into people. <laughs> So, okay, so for the next three hours, Dwayne, my friend, told me Jesus was Jewish. Wow. His followers were Jewish. His uh, There's 300-plus predictions in the Old Testament that relate to Jesus as, as Yeshua, Messiah. I had never heard none of this. And my friend Mark eventually left. He couldn't handle it. And I stayed because I was intrigued. After three hours, I, my mind couldn't take any more. So I left. And I went home. I said to my mom— why don't we ever talk about Jesus as Messiah? She goes, we don't believe that. I said, why not? She said, oh, I don't know. We just, we just don't. Hmm. She couldn't tell me anything. So I went to his all black church. I was the only white honky guy there. Only white Jewish, <laughs> only white Jewish honky there. Wow. And I became, according to Romans nine, I became spiritually jealous. Hmm. 
And after going there for about five months, um, one night I just, I prayed the prayer, hmm. uh, asked Christ in my life. I didn't think anything happened. I didn't feel any different. And I continued to party hmm. and play, went off to, uh, went off to Ohio university, which was the, back then the number two party school in America. I went to party and I partied hard that first semester. And basically long story short, I met about a bunch of Christ followers who were young college kids and they had something that I didn't have. And I just one night I just said, guys, pray over me. And they prayed for me. And I ended up going back to my dorm and I threw away all my drugs wow. and uh, just really within that two month period, just had a real encounter with Jesus. And um, within six months of that, I felt called to the ministry. And um, so eventually after college, I led I led a college ministry there with five other guys that grew to about 200 students all student-led, and then eventually went to Asbury Seminary, went there for three and a half years, three years, met my wife there as I was graduating. She was going through the college, and then, um, so I met my wife there and um, went into youth ministry. Yeah. And I've just always had, I, I've always had a heart for understanding my heritage, yeah. my Jewish upbringing. Yeah. I, I, I rejected it for a while, but I've come back to it mm-hmm. years ago because I just so appreciate, I just appreciate the, my whole heritage sure. and what I've learned. Yeah. And so I've learned that you, you embrace, you know, your, that which God has put before you. Mm-hmm. And so I've embraced, I've u- utilized my philosophy major, my psychology major, my English major, my, my Hebrew understanding of life, my family system with my wife and my kids. We have a special needs son with Down syndrome. We have my son-in-law is African-American. So we just, we got a lot of diversity yeah. in the family. It's really cool. That's awesome. I'm curious. So, this, so, is, this is not super related to our topic, but I am curious, you know, for Christians, um, you know, what's, what's the best way from your understanding, coming from a Jewish background to share Jesus with a Jew? I, I, I think it's the same with anybody. It's like this. How do you reach a Muslim? I think you build a relationship yeah. and I think you start one-on-one. I think, I mean, uh, I've been watching this TV series, the chosen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's good. Love this. Jesus. I mean, right? <laughs> this is a likable, likable, yeah. authentic Jesus. He is, uh, uh-huh. just, he's funny. Yep. Um, just what he did. He built one-on-ones. Yep. Uh, one on twos, one on threes. And I was just talking to a guy last night and he actually texted me. He said, I'm working with a teenager. He doesn't know Christ. What do I do? Mm-hmm. I said, take him to Chick-fil-A. There you go. Yeah. Go to Chick-fil-A. Yeah. Yep. Go to Chick-fil-A. I said, have an arsenal of questions. Yep. You don't, don't try to convert. Don't try to convert the Jewish person. Just love them. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Because they, they are, they feel like we are trying to, proselytize them and not get to know them. And so I think the, the, I think the key is just to get to know them. Um, and and when I meet people at the gym, I don't ask them if they're Jewish or Gentile or Muslim. I just start to build a relationship. I try to find commonality. Awesome. So I go to the gym and there's a Muslim, former Muslim, and he swims same time we do. We've built a relationship and after two and a half years, and now we're just starting to talk about Christianity Mm -hmm. and Islam and and religion, yeah. and we didn't we didn't start there. Cool, cool. That's, so I think you find co- a common denominator. Yeah. So 
thinking about working with students, I hear two really important things. I first of all hear you were an abnormally that's true. Like you were, you were. <laughs> you know, yeah. I am abnormal. I know Dr. I, so I would attest that this is true. You were abnormally introspective. The, the, gift, the, the gift card just went up to fifty. <laughs> you were abnormally introspective and abnormally like seeking. Like you really wanted something to fill a spot in your heart that wasn't being filled, and you mm-hmm. had you really oh, had a need absolutely. for Jesus, and. You were and bold. I, and I didn't know it. And I didn't know it. And you were bold. You were afraid to knock on doors and say, this isn't working for me. Yeah. I mean, what yeah. kind of kid goes to their rabbi and says, yeah, I don't know about that, man. Sure. I mean, that's that's bold, right? But then I also hear that God really sent people into mm-hmm. your life that were relational and didn't push you away yeah. because of the other stuff you were uh, messing around with. And I just think for youth pastors, those are just the two calling cards mm-hmm. of discipling like Jesus, having a radar for kids that are seeking and then entering into relationship with them well and consistently, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I don't, I don't thank God for that. My parents got divorced, but I thank God for it for the scenario that led to my coming to Christ. Yeah. Because yeah. if I'd stayed in Nashville, I don't know. I'm sure. I mean, God can get you any. God, God can get us mm-hmm. any way He wants to. But I had to hit a wall. Yep. Yeah. And I had I had to get I had to get busted and I had to get in a car wreck mm-hmm. uh, to try wake me up that there had to be more. And you're right, Mark. I had a total void. I, I thought I was having so much fun partying, and, and and then I started to realize this is empty. Yep. Absolutely. All right, friends. That's the first half of this episode. We hope that you enjoyed hearing. Dr. Olshine's story, and we're encouraged in ways that would help you become a better youth worker with your students. So hit play, and you'll hear a great conversation about what it means to be covered in the dust of the rabbi. We'll see you in the second half of the episode. <laughs>